podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. It's a brand new episode of I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek Podcast. It's the Chief Petty Officer, Anthony Lewis, along with the Captain, Aurora Babalu, who is uh, broken free from her restraints in sick bay to attend this uh, all-important meeting yeah. <laughs> to talk about Star Trek Picard. I'm, I'm wearing a mask to make sure that I don't, you know, uh, contaminate. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, still need those, <laughs> even in the, the 24th century. Uh, And, of course, the Fleet Admiral, Ben Knight, has returned from whatever secret mission he was on uh, last week. Well, I have, but here I am now in sickbay. Um, I (laughs) coughed when I was eating a bit of cake. And uh, now, yeah, my chief medical officer has uh, has, uh, quarantined me to to sickbay. I'll I'll say it's it's good. We've got Netflix in the future. Yeah, Um, it's an abundance of caution. Yeah. Yeah, they, they came back. I mean, who knew that that Bojack um, uh, sort of reboot was coming? <laughs> uh, um, you know, it's maybe the cake caused that cough. Maybe it didn't. It's just better to play it safe. I think. Yeah, we have to be. We have to be sure. Yes. Yeah, I think that's best. Mm-hmm. That's best. Uh, we're here to talk about Star Trek Picard season one, episode eight, called "Broken Pieces." And boy, did Wikipedia provide a novel for this uh, <laughs> uh, for this recap of the episode. So everybody, just sit back. Uh, relax, grab a cup of Have a piece of cake. Have a piece of cake. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here we go. 14 years prior, we see Commodore O, or maybe she's not a Commodore at this time. She takes a group of Romulan women, including Nerissa and her aunt, Ramda, Ramda the Romulan, to the planet Aya. Uh, Aya is a planet in a system with eight suns. Here they experience the admonition, a warning left behind by a long-extinct race in the form of a vision. Most of the women then mutilate or kill themselves, unable to cope with the knowledge that they have been given, but Nerissa and Ramda survive. Back in the present, or, you know, for everybody else listening to this, the distant future. When Rio sees Soji, it triggers some painful memories. So painful, he locks himself in his quarters, leaving his holograms to run the ship. While Picard sets uh, course for Deep Space 12, I mean, 
Why do we got to go to Deep Space 12, guys? Come on, it's right there. <laughs> Just a few Deep Spaces lower than that, and mm-hmm. we can get some reunions on this show. Come on. Yep. Uh Picard must not be thinking about how much everybody who's watching the show wants to just see familiar faces from when they were younger. Uh, Picard contacts Admiral Clancy, who agrees to send him a squadron and meet him at DS-12, but not before she says, fuck again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Admiral Clancy's first name is fuck or fucking. <laughs> I'm not sure which it is, but... Because, holy shit, does she like to say it? And why is, you know, I know we're not talking about the story here, but, like, (laughs) why does she get to say them? Only two people have, it's only been uttered twice, and it's been her both times. Uh, I was offended that she said that to Picard. The foul-mouthed admiral. Uh, (laughs) They discover that, uh, they eventually discover, or put the pieces together to learn that Gerardi had betrayed them. The emergency medical hologram reveals that she killed Maddox. Gerardi admits the truth to Picard, explaining that Commodore O placed a mental block on her. Which, can I point out, technically made her um, a Romulan spy. I think I'll collect my right points for that. (laughs) (laughs) She meets with Soji and tells her that she will never harm her. Seven arrives on the Borg cube to rescue Elnor and activates the Queen's cell. She interfaces with the Queen's system, but Nerissa has many of the ex-Borg executed and many of the non-ex-Borg, well, they haven't been freed yet. They're just kind of dormant. Well, she jettisoned those guys into space. After a fight, Seven disconnects from the Collective as Nerissa sends a fleet to Soji's planet. Rios explains to Rafi what happened aboard his uh, his former ship. This is where we learn about uh, his past with his captain and why Soji bugs him so much. Their ship made contact with two beings, one of whom looked identical to Soji, both of whom Captain Alonzo Vandemir executes on secret orders from Starfleet Security. Vandemir himself commits suicide after doing it, and Rios was forced to cover up the truth. Raffi realizes that the two beings were synths from Bruce Maddox's planet. Raffi puts everything together and tells the crew about the planet in the eight-star system. Soji plots a course for a Borg transwarp conduit to take them to her home planet, but they are followed by another small ship, which I presume is uh, Narek still, because uh, we didn't see him at all this episode. Uh, ben, the fleet admiral, what did you make of broken pieces? Well, I'm going to begin because it's mandatory to begin any conversation about this episode by saying something along the lines of, man, they dumped a lot of information on us this week. They Oof. did. Holy cow. I mean, they totally did, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's kind of, it's tempting to pick through all sorts of stuff from there, but I think it's hard to look at this episode without just commenting on the fact that, God, it was damn cool. Mm-hmm. I mean... Uh, the so on a, on a let's go from the serious point of view. So um, Jerry Ryan continues to just be um, uh, well. I'm an admiral. I can say it. Fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I, I her performance in this. Oddly enough, I was watching um, uh, Dark Frontier uh, yesterday, day before, and then went back and watched this. Um, and you see the development um, of of Seven, but also of Jerry Ryan as an actress, hmm. and it, it it's just breathtaking just to remember where 
you know where that character was and and you know what she's become mm-hmm. um and it, and it's i was going to say it's weird when you talk about sci-fi and you talk about performances being um authentic and believable um jerry ryan is producing scene on scene the most authentic performances in this show mm. um which doesn't surprise me because you know her and Kate Mulgrew hated each other all the way through Voyager and yet produced the best on-screen chemistry of any two characters in the history of Star Trek. So yeah, she's very good. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's she's excellent. Um, so, yeah, so all the stuff from that point of view uh, and the sort of <clears throat> bit of Star Trek morality stuff in there about reassimilating um, uh, Borg and cr- creating a, uh, a sort of separate Unimatrix and so on, mm-hmm. uh, all very good. Um, I wasn't in love with um, uh, the, the the many faces of Rios, save for the fact that obviously I was completely in love with every single face of Rios. <laughs> I, I've, it's really dilemmaized. I, I did think, you know, there's so much fun to be had in that character, and it mm-hmm. helps that um, he's not only really quite a, a good actor, mm-hmm. um, but also, you know, he's perfectly pleasant to watch. Yeah. Um, but ah, just a little bit too far. Those accents, all right. It's not your show, real mate. <laughs> and there's a couple of those that, uh, bless you, no, they fell a little bit short of the mark. I'm afraid, accent-wise. Yeah. Also, I do feel a bit attacked that now he's done every Celtic nation except Welsh. Yep. Uh, <laughs> what's wrong with you, Rios? Uh, mm. Um. I was going to speak Welsh then. That that would that would have been worse than him trying to. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I just a little bit grating that that little bit. Hmm. Um, Agnes, I and perhaps I'll come back to it so I don't ruin the take on this and perhaps give a bit of a spoiler warning. But um, I've recently ingested some other Trek uh, extended universe content, which gives a lot of the background to Agnes and Maddox and why she is exactly where she is when she is and i now i've got a way better understanding of what's going on there so i'll perhaps come back to that um other bits sort of just on the fly through i suppose is the zapvash um i I don't hate that um it sort of ties in nicely to and i know tony you'll be able to tell me this the tng episode where they have the telstra woman on Enterprise, and she's a bit obsessed with data, and I can't think what the episode's uh, called. Data's Day. That'd be the one. Yep. Um, so that ties in sort of quite nicely with that. The, the aesthetic's different, but you can see it's sort of in the same sort of field. Um, quite clearly, we're building up to, or at least they're trying to tell us we're building up to a Q storyline in terms of those sons, because ain't no other um, entity in the history of the known universe that's going to be doing that. And it is typical show-off cue. Um, I'm still not letting go, incidentally, of the idea of Iconians, because <laughs> I never will. Uh, there were some things that you could choose to read into this episode that might fall along those lines. but mm. uh, They continue to draw parallels in this with bits and bobs from other Star Trek franchises, which are all fun. Um, but yeah, overall, uh, I- I'm... I'm enjoying it. It's it was an episode because I think I've been picking little bits of old Star Trek out just at random um, this uh, this last week just to to watch the sort of loosely tied to it, mm-hmm. and I found I just found it added a little sort of extra 
emotional level to watching this episode that um, all of this exposition is is sort of tugging at bits of my memory and 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 you know it, it just adds a little bit of depth to it and uh, only final thoughts um, other than that from it from me is the fact that this show putting aside for a minute the fact that the effects budget they are spending on the show is insane mm-hmm. um, this episode was was tightly confined because we're obviously building up spending some money on the finale but um, so this was lots of you know single set shots and everything else but um, the the overall appearance of this show and I keep saying the costume design again it continues to be crazily on point um, and and the music basically every every person who is involved in this is throwing some heavyweight um, craft at it the score of this episode is is superb mm-hmm. um, and and I say the, the costume set design the whole thing it, this is at the minute, probably one of the most beautiful shows on television, and I mm-hmm. love that that's part of the Star Trek universe at a time when everyone's complaining that it might be becoming a bit crowded. Yeah, well, they're not spreading themselves so thin so far. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. uh, By the way, fun fact, uh, that Data's Day episode, uh, he spends most of it in correspondence with Bruce Maddox. So yes. uh, there's a, an extra little layer of tie-in there. Uh, Aurora, what did you think of Broken Pieces? I agree with what everything Ben said, um, uh, especially the fact that there was way too much information. Um, so I'm glad that you went over wi- what Wikipedia says because <laughs> I was wow, it was a lot. Um, there was a, a few times that I had to go back and like listen over mm-hmm. what the conversation between Rafi and Rios because I was like, wait, 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 let me hear that again. There's a lot um, happening. Yes, it was a lot. Um, but I I do like all the holograms. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you? Hmm. I do. Hmm. I mean, it might have something to do with the fact that he, this guy is extremely attractive. I don't know. But I except, thought it was... Except the hospitality hologram who is creepy beyond words. <laughs> um, but I actually like... I actually like that it was kind of like a for me it was it was funny and mm-hmm. I, I think it was needed in this episode because it was so heavy mm-hmm. that to have something like that it, it was kind of cool for me um, and I like that uh, Rios sang a Spanish lullaby mm-hmm. that was ah, awesome too yeah. um, um, I also liked the scene between Jurati and uh, Soji where mm. she's like fascinated by the fact that this synth has so many human characteristics and she keeps asking her like what do you do when you are sad and what like she she's asking all this and she's uh answering like a human yes and then at the end so she says do you you know now that you're interacting with me do you see me as a human mm-hmm. um all that was awesome as well yeah and i really like the scene with picard and soji where picard is describing data that was so mm. nostalgic too, and um, I love the line. I, I don't know it word for word, but he says something like, "He was always trying to make us laugh. He was oh, always yes. making making us laugh, except when he was trying, trying to, make to make us, make us laugh. laugh." Yes, yeah. That, that line's was... super. The other one that it was, it's I think the same scene. Uh, Data's capacity for expressing and processing right. emotion was limited, and it was the sting at the end of the line. I suppose we had that in common. Right. I thought that was a beautifully oh, crafted beautiful. line. Yes. You're right. Yeah. Um, and uh, the 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 moment where that admiral said, "Shut up, 
shut the fuck up, Picard. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Mm. Yeah, who I don't know why he's... I feel so defensive of Picard. Cool your I... jets, lady. <laughs> who does she yeah. think she's talking to? It's not Wesley yeah. Crusher she's talking to. Yeah, and that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say, that it gave me flashbacks of Picard saying, shut up, Wesley. Like, <laughs> it was... It's this combination of nostalgia, and at the same time, I was like, wow, whoa, hold up. This is Captain Picard you're talking to. That's what we need. I say as well, on that point, though, she just said to him, "Um, here's your squadron, mate. Um, Yeah, "Yeah, nice one. (laughs) Cheers for that. Don't talk yourself out of it. Whoa. And then where the fuck did they go? Yeah. (laughs) He went, oh, good, I'll have a squadron. And then he disappeared and left him behind. Yeah. Good work. (laughs) They're not going to show up to DS-12, apparently. Mm. (laughs) Sidestepping all that. Um. I've got a couple of hot takes uh, Ooh, right. on this episode. Oh, one one is less of a hot take. One is more of a. Uh, I'm glad they proved me right. As excited as Ben is that he's that Gerardi is kind of a Romulan spy. Don't ruin this for me. Because we learned that Commodore <laughs> O is only half Romulan. She's half Romulan and half Vulcan. Yeah, uh, but uh, which explains her mind melding capabilities. Mm-hmm. But. That being said, I would like to accept the award, the You Were Correct Award, for my, I believe it was my presumption, uh, that was confirmed in this episode, that Rios bought this ship and then did, like, the like the base mm-hmm. pre-settings, and, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, they said, like, he opted for the self-scan, which he denies that he did. <laughs> like, because we were all wondering, like, did this just come pre-installed with all of these holograms? Why do they all look like him? Uh, I would like to accept the award on behalf of that. They confirmed it in this episode. By the way, something I never thought they would even bring up. Mm-hmm. It felt like just one of those weird aside things that you say on podcasts, but they're like, they thought of that. We got an answer for that later in the show. Yeah. Super strange. Um, before I get to my super hot take, and this is the hottest of hot, hot way hotter than your Iconian take. It's, yeah, that, well, to be fair, that was hot initially. It's beginning to get a little cooler, isn't oh, it? Oh, th- this, one, this one is practically molten due to its uh, unlikeliness to occur. <laughs> but uh, before I touch on that, I want to go back real quick to that scene with Soji and Picard. So, because mm-hmm. uh, she asks if, um, you know, did, did Data love you or did you love him? Mm-hmm. And because she does have that like that spark of data in her and she doesn't say anything to him about it until the end but it's clear that she has access to some of this because when they're done talking she just looks him straight in the face and says he loved you which mm-hmm. i thought was mm-hmm. awesome yeah. uh like it was in data somewhere but he didn't have the capacity to say it but soji does have the ability to feel it and understand it and say it I thought that mm-hmm. was pretty awesome. And I love that whole scene as well. But onto the onto the hot take. This is this is unlikely to occur, everyone, but I could not help but make the connection. Uh when we got this whole 14 years prior, when we saw the the mm-hmm. Vash come together and they grabbed the thing. And later when Ra- it really came to me later when Rafi was sitting down and just somehow Rafi knew all about this. I guess it's because it's sort of not in the Romulan historical records. It's more of a conspiracy type thing. And Raffi seems to be into those. So maybe that's why mm-hmm. she knows so much about this somehow. 
but when she was explaining it and everything and all of the story behind it or whatever, it really hit me. Like this is a warning from a civilization from thousands of, you know, whatever it is, mm. thousands of years ago that had created AI and some shit went bad with it and it destroyed their whole civilization and they sent a warning to the future. And I'm like, oh, well, fuck, uh, Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica are tied together. Uh, that's oh, I reckon we can get one better than that. Star Trek um, Picard and Star Trek Discovery are tied together. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I, I, oh, wanted to yeah. go, I wanted to go much further away from it into the implausible. Because <laughs> I also love I also love Battlestar Galactica, and that show is absolutely about uh, an advanced civilization that creates AI that turns mm. on them and destroys everything, and they flee to Earth, and when they get to Earth, it's like Earth in the prehistoric era, like the humans that are alive are Cro-Magnum or I whatever. I mean, I feel like if there was a Star Trek and Better Star Galactica crossover, <sighs> all nerds, including myself, will explode. Yeah. <laughs> Like that will happen. It will create a singularity. Give me, <laughs> yes. give me seven of nine and Starbuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Can, can we throw um, like as one of the sort of generals for the AI side of it? Can we throw Shirley Manson in there playing one of them just to just <laughs> to play sure. with him? <laughs> sure, I want to see. Because you know what that that final series of that show, she did all right. I want to see Picard and Admiral Adama grumble about duty. Oh, mm. that'll be mm. that'll be good times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I uh, this is unlikely to occur. Uh, unfortunately, are you, are you not having the the idea of discovery linking to this and this all being an elaborate chase away from control? It's entirely possible. Yes, it because be. it does tie into Dark Frontier as well, doesn't it? Because mm. um, the to, to get really weird about that for those who can't remember, Dark Frontier is the um, just Dark Frontier, isn't it? Two parter. Yes, Voyager crashes. Uh, because they um, take a slipstream drive, and Harry gets his maths wrong, and they, they fall out and they crash into the ice or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So um, the way that they save the day is that they take a temporal uh, node, a temporal transmitter, sorry, from uh, what appears to be what we now call the artifact in Picard. In fact, it, it is. It is notable by being a Borg cube that is stranded in the Beta Quadrant, so let's mm -hmm. assume we're talking about the same one. Yeah. Um, and uh, we then know that the message is sent back through time to Seven of Nine in uh, in the Voyager timeline, the original Voyager timeline. Yes. So um, the point in discovery about sending um, the uh, the, the means to bring about um, sort of sentience in control was to send it out of control's timeline, uh, but clearly not far enough. So I wonder whether that's the same. I just I just wonder whether because you see in the in the flashback scene from um, from the the prophecy or whatever you want to call it from the grief planet. Yeah, you see um, the admonition. That's what I was looking for. The the flashback includes um, a an android that looks like a data type um, Sungian uh, mm -hmm. android with perfectly normal eyes and then receives a flash much like um, the synths did on Mars, uh, much like uh, oh, we've I seen. Didn't even notice that. Yeah, oh. so it's obviously instructions suddenly received, much like 
a certain bridge officer on Discovery when um, she got uh, a message from Control oh, as well. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, that's true. Arium, it's all, yeah. It's, yeah, Arium, thank you. It's it's all, I mean, I, I could be reading way too much into it, but mm-hmm. it seems they've been dragging our attention to looking at the eyes of synthetic life forms because we've had, you know, uh, um, Robert Picardo didn't used to have flashy eyes and look slightly off into the middle distance when he was remembering something, but they like us to notice that androids, sorry, that holograms do that now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This flash has appeared now across um, yeah. uh, all platforms at this stage. It, it appears to be the universal signal for I'm receiving um, instructions from um, from a wrong one. Yeah. Um, I so I do like wonder to, whether that's what we're getting. I would just like to note that Robert Picardo's doctor in Star Trek Voyager did get those flashy eye things. They were just covered up conveniently uh, in the middle of blinks. So uh, um, he was a man of style. You're quite right, actually. Yeah, yeah. like he, that happened all the time. We just did not see them. Or they occurred off camera, of course. Uh, <laughs> there is that. They were yeah. always there. Uh, it's a conspiracy. <laughs> yes, it is. Get Raffi on the case. <laughs> what about? Uh, Isn't Raffi brilliant, by the way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really like. I, I ended up really liking her by the end of the episode. I was kind of borderline on like how how do I feel about Raffi, but by the end of this episode, I think I really liked her a lot. So. She's my favorite character in the show. Mm-hmm. Well, if she is, let me tell you, Star Trek Picard: The Last Best Hope um, book or audio book, take your pick. Uh, available on Audible. It's eleven hours forty minutes unabridged. Um, <laughs> it's written by Una McCormack, so you know, a very experienced, safe pair of hands when it comes to, to Trek. Yep. And it's the background story that, I mean, it's probably required reading, in truth, for, for Picard, because it, I, w- I won't ruin anything, I'll just tell you how it begins. Um, this is uh, when the Federation have finally been granted permission by the Romulans to, you know, oh. stop them all from being killed. Yes. Uh, and we... Are looking at Picard being offered the um, the chance to leave the Enterprise to uh, to initially be based on Earth, um, uh, San Francisco, to, uh, to to become an admiral. So it's actually it is the thing in which he becomes an admiral, which we haven't yet seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he then picks out Rafi, who is a, um, a I can't remember. I think she's probably a lieutenant from recollection at the time who is delivering a report to um, the Federation to point out that the Romulans have, on the face of it, deliberately given them the wrong figures and made it look like the uh, the supernova is not going to be anywhere near as bad in terms of population. So she is the one who realises <laughs> that ironic the Romulans... That's considering currently. Well, absolutely. So she's the one who realises that it's all a bloody conspiracy right from the start. Mm-hmm. Nice. It also, and I'm not going to ruin this bit, but it does give you the reasons the depth of character both for her and why she is quite the sort of sad bit of a mess she is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and she has been on a very long arc between Last Best Hope and uh, and the episode like this week, for example. Well, it's certainly, uh, I'm certainly sad that Audible is not a, a sponsor for this because otherwise we could rake in the breaking that sponsorship money, Ben. But Yeah, I, well, I know. I regret that. If you can buy it in book form from anyone who sponsors us, then do that. Um, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the other thing I will say about it, just as a sort of side point, is um, those who are familiar with that will know the voice of uh, Robert Petkoff, who does quite a lot of uh, audible things. But mm-hmm. in Picard, I, the thing I just absolutely love is that he 
he's got a really quite good Picard voice. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. I believe the guy, I think he's, I don't know if he's American or if he's um, British and lives in New York or the other way around or mm. whatever he is, but um, he's, he's nailed the characterizations in in the voices of this because obviously it's, it must be quite difficult to to tackle characters that are not only sort of very well established but also ones that are yeah. you're trying to help establish and he absolutely nails it uh, but yeah if you want to find out why we're definitely seeing Geordie LaForge sometime real soon in Picard um, for example spoilers uh, then you need to perhaps get into Last Best Hope. Um, I can give you an absolute certainty, nailed on 100%, and Aurora, I suspect, is about to add to it, um, when I say Geordie LaForge is most definitely a crucial part of this particular series. Mm-hmm. Without question, it would be impossible to tell the story without Geordie LaForge. Oh my God, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, uh, Ben, uh, what would you give... Broken pieces. I was tempted to shave half a mark off because of um, the extended the, Rios. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out which one I had the biggest problem with. I think it might have been um, it was Ian the Scottish one. I can't remember. I think so. Um, there was one of the accents that I was like, uh, too much. <laughs> it's obviously they googled, you know, um, obvious Scottish Gaelic phrases as well, didn't they? And, <laughs> You know, but anyway, um, I was tempted to shave it off, and I just thought, you know what? It gave me a bit of a chuckle, and not as much as Picard confessing he didn't know how to work um, La Sirena. The newfangled but... uh, systems. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm going to roll out for the first time of the series. This is worth a solid five from me. All oh, right, Ben. Aurora, final thoughts on uh, Broken Pieces, and what would you give it? I, li- I loved it. Uh, I. We were talking before the podcast that I, I'm seeing a lot of people like kind of like hate on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am enjoying it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with Ben. I think it's so beautiful. And it's just, I don't know, for, as a Star Trek fan, for me, it's like satisfying everything that I was hoping for yeah. it from it. So, um, but I'm not going to give it a five, but I'm going to give it a 4.5. It was okay. really solid episode. Uh you know, in relation to the stuff with most of the negativity I've seen towards this show seems to be a belief that there's a mischaracterization of the character yeah. of Picard. But mm-hmm. I mean, I'm so I'm like in the midst of my Star Trek rewatch of everything. And I'm in about about midway through season four of Next Gen right now. And mm-hmm. I think some people are just remembering Picard at his highest of highs. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Because he is n- right. he is not portrayed in the series as this all loving, all caring, all perfect. No. Uh care like there are many times where he is distant and stubborn and mm-hmm. arrogant and all sorts of stuff. Like things that he eventually overcomes, but like he is not a perfect person. And in this show, he is kind of continue that there are times where he doesn't behave like how I remember him behaving until you go back and you watch next gen. Like they're not exactly the same people and nor should they be because things have happened since those episodes. This character. Do you know what? You're absolutely on point because one of the things I was reading, I don't remember which of the, you know, angry 
middle-aged men it was mm-hmm. um, on, <laughs> on the internet complaining about this, but um, it's all right. They're probably not listening. They're out buying toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> they um, they were saying that you know Picard's paternal uh, tendencies, the you know his his warmth and depth of character would be uh, completely at odds with his inability to uh, to naturally empathise um, with. <laughs> Uh, with Soji mm-hmm. and I'm sorry go back and remember not yeah. just one episode but at least five episodes where his inability to have a degree of warmth and empathy towards particularly you know y- younger um, crewmen on the Enterprise and families and everything else was like literally the point of the story mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm not good um, with children he says to Riker yeah, yeah. yeah. There's Shut a up, <laughs> there's uh the offspring where Data creates Lal his first attempt to create mm-hmm, a child mm-hmm, at first mm-hmm. Picard is like what why didn't you tell me about this yeah, yeah. you know she he was on board with the I'm not really sure it's really you can consider it a child uh mm-hmm. his mind gets changed but you know he's he's not perfect. And yeah, and like you said, like even like if if this show portrayed Picard the same way as TNG, mm-hmm. I will be uh, disappointed because, yeah. like you said, like people change. He's older. Mm-hmm. He has gone through other stuff. You cannot expect him to be this exact same person yeah. you saw in TNG. This is the Picard yeah. whose friend and Data has is gone, mm-hmm. sacrificed himself to save his life, and time has passed since then and now the whole organization that was his entire life he feels betrayed everything that it stood for like that's gonna change mm-hmm. a person a little bit that he is still picard but he has been changed a little bit by the things around him which is only natural that happens to yeah. anybody who goes through anything it will change you most of who you are is still there but you're gonna be altered in some way and He's not the same exact person, but, you know, in a lot of ways, he is, though. So, yeah. And this is bringing stuff up for Picard. I mean, they've already alluded to it, that, um, you know, that's that's not... Uh, being on a Borg cube or near one is, you know, not top of his list of wants. Um, and, and dealing with some of the the issues that arise because of having to deal with the Borg. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's going to upset him a bit. Um, and we're, we're digging up the the loss of somebody he considers to be one of his best friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're pitting him against the reason he walked out on his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea that he'd just be plodding on in the way that you, you know that yeah. Picard of TNG. It, it just it's weird. It's a yeah. sort of. I mean, people I th- complaining about unbelievable writing of characters are, are, are basically what they're not saying that the character is unbelievable. They're saying the character. Um, has been developed, and I, I never want anything to change. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of people are thinking of Picard from like Who Watches the Watchers, where mm-hmm. they come across that proto-Vulcan species, and they think he's a god, and mm-hmm. he kind of like talks them back down to Earth. Essentially, I think a lot of people think of like that as like the peak Picard. But you know, like I recently and been fortunate enough that uh, I'm watching all of these things kind of together like it wasn't that long it was just a couple days ago that i watched uh the best of both worlds and then Mm -hmm. uh the episode family that followed it and geez like the not just best of both worlds but the especially family the episode after where he goes back home to Mm -hmm. where he now lives in this show 
like so much of that is like holy holy shit it's weird how it's i'm it's like they went back and watched these and like we're gonna write a story around this like how much it just plays into it uh is the speech where he finally breaks down after him and his brother get into a a fight and he admits that he should have been strong enough to stop the Borg by himself, but he couldn't, uh, uh, which is just heartbreaking. And his brother telling him that this is going to be with you for a long time. And I'm like, Mm. holy shit, this is so great, especially in retrospect, watching it now, having watched everything and like the PTSD he has from it is so incredible. And then I'm sitting here thinking about the fact that, you know, this is lovely. This is next gen, but Fast forward a couple of years and we get to the movie where he learns that his brother and his nephew die in a fire and Uh, he's now living in the home that they once lived in. Like so much has changed for him. He's not the same person, but he is, but he isn't. And like, I don't think they've mischaracterized him at all. I think they've not perfectly evolved him, but he's definitely where I I would see him at for Uh sure. Um, Yeah. I have no, Absolutely. I have no complaints. Um, also, yeah. I guess I should say, I also gave this episode a four and a half. I really liked it as well. Uh, yeah, deal, got deal off, with it, nerds. Got off, yeah, that's right. <laughs> got off on a sidetrack there, but I really liked this episode. Uh, and we are closing in on the end. Only two episodes remain. Uh, and of course, the episode title, uh, I had to go onto the internet and research what it was. Uh, and... It, it it probably makes sense. I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm guessing by the time it's done, I'll be like, oh, that episode title made sense. Uh, what is the episode title? Uh, well, the episode title is Et in Arcadia Ego, which is a painting, uh, a famous painting, which when translated, essentially it's like uh, even in Arcadia, death is here or something like that. Uh, <laughs> it's supposed to be like no matter where you go, death follows you. Uh, sort of thing. I think it's a a painting of like a shepherd uh, with with some sheep or something, and there's some allusions to death in it or, or something along it's, those lines. Uh, they do love a, a Greek reference, don't they? They so. sure do. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it, it sounds like I think the idea here is like even in Utopia, bad shit happens. Uh, nothing is perfect, uh, and that's the sense i'm getting and you know it's a two-parter we've got a two-parter coming up so which is always fun for me it's always difficult to try to judge one part of a two-parter on its own but that's what we're gonna do next time so head on over to cinemageekly.com check out the archives of the show and of course you can find us on apple Podcasts, google play stitcher and spotify just search for i'm a doctor not a podcast hit subscribe and that way you can hear us come back next time and talk about more star trek picard season one episode nine called at in arcadia ego Part one.